This is Revisiting Haven. Hey Havenites, this is Amy J here with you, and as always, and I say that because I'm hoping it'll be always, is my friend Amy S. Amy, say hi. Hi everybody from sunny California. Don't rub it in. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> a- Amy's rubbing it in because I'm from the East Coast and we just survived the snow. And not only did we survive the snow, no. uh, we got rid of the snow and today there was a tornado warning or a watch. So I know. It's been scary. I've been reading a lot about the weather, so I hope everybody's staying safe and warm. Well, we may be getting tornadoes and we may be having snow, but you guys out on the west, I really do hope, California, you get some rain. (laughs) We need the rain. We really need the rain. So I would hope for some rain as well. The state needs rain desperately. Well, if we could um, scoop up the snow and, and give it to you, we probably wish we could. Right, and if we could get some of the rain from our European and UK friends, I know they're they're struggling with flooding. If we could get some of that water here in California, that would be a miracle. Let's all just share our weather issues and kind of just swap it, because I think it's time we, we share it around. It's right. It must be a trouble, right? Absolutely. That's probably it. Um, so today, we are talking about the Tides That Bind, which is um, from Season 2. I believe it's the seventh episode. And... Um, it was written by one of our favorite writers, uh, Gab- Gabrielle Stanton. Yep. And uh, Amy, why did we choose this episode? Well, I initially wanted to talk about it because the trouble kind of freaked me out or totally freaked me out. What do you mean people living underwater? And then I guess they're <laughs> like mer- mermen. Right. Which yes. I wasn't too familiar with. Uh, but then as I was rewatching it and trying to take some notes. There are so many layers to this episode. Oh my gosh, it's not even about the trouble at all. It's a very complex episode and one where you watch it and you think, man, this episode is about mermen. And then when you revisit it, we find out uh, there's a lot more going on than mermen. Oh my God, we learned so much in this episode about Lucy, about the Rev, Nathan and his dad. We learned a lot about the tattoo, what Duke's journey of learning about the tattoo. Evie? There's just so much going on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you don't realize that until after some episodes pass. I mean, and then you look back, you're like, wow, how many revelations did we just have? Yes, that's exactly true. I think watching this episode again, now that we've been through season four, mm-hmm. there's a lot more insights that we as viewers have into this episode now. Yeah, and, and it, it was cool to kind of go back and see, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Kenneth Walsh, who was Cole Glendower, and this episode aired in like August 26th, uh, 2011. Right. Uh, he went on and was VP or was a VP or Secretary of State in um, the movie 2012. Oh, he was? Glenn, the Cole was? Was it 2012? I'm trying to think. He did a movie. Oh, now I got to find it. Okay. Well, while you do that, as Mm -hmm. long as we're talking about the actor who played Cole Glendower, Lucas Bryan had worked with him previous to this episode in the TV movie, A Very Merry Daughter of the Bride, Ah. uh, which I'm sure a lot of Haven fans have seen. It's a really cute Christmas time movie. See, just coming back together. Uh, The movie I was thinking was uh, The Day After Tomorrow. I knew it was an end of the world one. (laughs) It was an end of the world kind of thing. But he was also on Human Target, uh, the story of Luke. So definitely getting around. Very he hasn't really funny. done anything too recently, though, but... Didn't uh, one of both of the Zuckers write for Human Target? So there's another layer of a Haven connection. They did. 
They did. They did that before they came to Haven, I believe. Exactly. Yes, before Haven. Yeah. And now, now, as we know, they've moved on to Suits, but that's okay. That's all right. Uh, they've left many an episode that we will talk about in the future still. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the Tides That Bind. And this episode, for me, was different. Um, after going back, and what Amy and I try to do is we decide on whichever episode to do, um, and then we rewatch it. We definitely revisit it. And for me, I, after going through season one, season two, season three, season four, coming back to this episode was kind of nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, for me at least, and I, I think for Amy, because it kind of, you go back to Audrey and Nathan are trying to figure out this trouble, and you have Duke trying to figure out whatever's going on with Duke, and they kind of all circle each other. Uh-huh. And yeah. I love that. I love yeah. going back to that after having seen so much uh, barn and so much everything else, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it was cool. I, I, I definitely enjoyed it in my revisit a lot more. Well, that's always fun to hear. I love a show, you know, the shows that we love and you go back and then you remember why you love them so much or you have a new appreciation, new level of appreciation for them in a rewatch. That's always cool. Love that. Yeah. Well, in, this, in this episode to me too, um, I did enjoy the trio working together. Um, there was a lot of good nuke humor in this episode. Mm-hmm. Actually, for as serious as this episode was, and as much as we learned, there was a lot of, or excuse me, there were a few light moments. Um, uh, when Duke is with Evie and Duke says to Evie, a guy with a tattoo washed up, and Evie says, did, did it say, I heart Haven? <laughs> yes, yes. You know what? I don't know if I necessarily caught that the first time, because the second time I watched it, it really hit me, and I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And, I mean, uh, towards the beginning of the episode when Duke confronts Nathan in the police department about the guy with the tattoo who washed up, and they kind of have that little fight over the photo and what's going on. And, and he gets that, it. Yeah, that little nuke humor. That was, loved it. Loved yeah, it. When, he, when, he, when he turns to Audrey, he's like, hear that? Hear that? <laughs> what do you think of that? Right, and Nathan kind of waves goodbye to him as he's leaving the police station. They're very... Even in these episodes that are um, serious and have all this information being thrown at you, I love that they still have that humor. Right. And the best, and I love, for me, when the uh, the scene that uh, Audrey was involved in in the Rev's office when, you know, Duke is in there looking through his stuff and Nathan and Audrey come to the Rev's office and, you know, Audrey, yes. and Nathan and Duke are fighting over that piece of paper and Audrey has to say, not now, boys. She, she really, I, I really enjoy her as the peacemaker. Yeah, and I think Emily probably has to play. She's probably like that in real life with those two. Well, every time she gets a female companion, it kind of she kind of disappears. So yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so there was uh, the lightheartedness that a lot of us have missed somewhat in the more recent episodes was definitely evident in this episode. Yes, yes, and and you know the reason we chose it is we were trying to figure out what episode, and as Amy was saying, we went with this because it's such a scary trouble not the scariest but a scary trouble and the reason i i I agreed mostly was because it's such a rev episode oh my god there's so much rev in this episode that we learned about you know and um stephen mccaddy he he does an amazing job as the rev but no more so than this episode for me yes or maybe who what where wendigo was another one but this one it's like you know we're not just going to sit back. That boy's soul is at stake. And you're like, yes. oh, my God. Yeah. And the Rev, uh, you know, we really learn how he feels. 
that the cursed or the troubled are evil mm -hmm. and they don't deserve to live and they're poison in this town. Um, we really get that from him. We see lots of that from his character in this particular episode. Yes, and I think, you know, I got to say, I, I felt bad for the Rev also. I'm a little, I don't know if I'm, I hesitate to admit that, but, um, you know, his wife left him, faked her yeah. death right, to get away from him. But that also illustrates, you know, how, how evil he was or how possessed he was or one directional he was. Sure. Uh, you know, so I could see you having a little sympathy for the Rev there, but, you know, I think his wife did the right thing. Yes, no, absolutely. You have to do what's right for you, and you can't stay uh, in a poisonous relationship, which I think it's safe to say that that was. Yes. Um, I, I just think it's a shame that she didn't take her daughter with her. Yeah, she did abandon her daughter, so that, and we know that from uh, episode two, Butterfly. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. In of that course, that, yeah, her daughter felt, thought she was dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, so she was in hiding uh, on the Glendower compound all these years. And I'm curious to say, to, to, and this is a question that will never be answered, most likely, um, how does she find out? Does she find out? I'm pretty sure she found out. What are we talking about that, now? That the daughter... Realizes her mom's alive. I don't know. It's a question that will never be answered, but it, it was a question that randomly came to me. Okay, yeah, because we did see Hannah in episode two, and this is Hannah's mother, mm -hmm. but there's no mention of Hannah in this episode. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you, you're right. Uh, 27 years of anger and bigotry was, was definitely on display. Yeah, so we did learn all that about the Raven. Um, he really was evil, wasn't he? He wasn't, uh, man, he is not somebody Haven needed hanging around. I mean, you could see he's very manipulative. 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 In the fact, you know, the fact that um, he won't talk to her unless Nathan and Audrey come to Sunday school or Sunday yeah. services. Right. You know, and, and trying to find a way to make what he wants happen. Right. He, and it's like in Spiral, you know, when the Rev uh, wants to run the town and Nathan says the last thing Haven needs is the Rev, you know, and his poison running this town. So it is very true. I mean, that was the last thing we needed. You know, what's interesting, though, is how much, you know, given the fact that we're now in season, going into season five, Rev says essentially, you know, uh, no amount of prayer or hurting innocent people will take. Well, she tells him that we'll, we'll take right. the troubles away, um, but he's so adamant, like he yeah. can cleanse mm -hmm. the town. Well, he refers to, uh, you know, a shepherd always saves his flock or something to that effect. So, uh, you know, he feels, I guess he's doing the right thing. But I'm curious as to, I'm curious as, was he aware of anything about Audrey's past? I don't know. He, he had to have known because he knew about Simon Crocker and the tattoo. I mean, he was using Evie to get Duke uh, on his side because, you know, the Rev wants Duke on his side because Duke can kill the cursed, right? It's interesting. Yeah. But, uh, or end a curse by killing the cursed. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. So if he knew that much, he, I, I find it hard to believe he didn't know that there was a Lucy who looks like Audrey. Yeah, you know, maybe that was just something that the writers just didn't care to go down that road. Um, 
but we never did uh, learn anything about that, about the Rev's point of view on Lucy. Now, in this episode, we learned a lot about the chief and Lucy. And yes. we, I mean, we learned about, a lot about Lucy in general. Um, but your point of view on the Rev, I'm not really sure about that one. No, and, and I, I don't know if necessarily we'll get an answer, but, you know, every time we revisit and we, from the things we know, it's always like, huh, wait, so how does this tie in? You right, know? yeah, um, what's the answer? It's one of the, the drawbacks of revisiting, in a sense, in that so many more questions, you realize how many more questions are open, and some yeah, are loose yeah. ends that will never be tied. Right, you accept that. I think so. It's just part of the nature of the show, I think, or of a show. And maybe um, I think I've alluded to this before. We have to give the writers a little bit of creative license here and there. Sometimes that's all it is. But I guess sometimes it's just things that we'll never get answers to. I think you're right. I think you're or, right. Or through the course of the series, we can kind of come to our own conclusions after we see more and more episodes. Mm -hmm. That's also a, a possibility. Maybe the writers kind of figure that we will figure it out on our own. I think it would be neat if, if the Rev came back, possibly. Ew. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, well, he died. He's dead. But, I mean, the chief is dead too. And I, I, I'd love for him to come back also, but, uh, I don't know. I'm a fan of the Rev because I thought he was a great bad guy. Yeah. He's, he's the character and you always need that, uh, that, that opposite point of view in your shows. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's not taking away from, uh, William, you know, played right. by Colin Ferguson, but he was a bad guy. You know, Hafe has, has had some good, bad guys, if you will. Um, the portrayal of the Rev and, like you just said, the portrayal of William. They've mm -hmm. had some great actors in these roles. Well, e even Wade. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Christian Car Carmargo. Is that mm -hmm. how you pronounce it? He's a very accomplished actor. Did a great job in that role. A, a, a lot of things. Uh, Haven does a fantastic job. One of their... One of the things I was happy for was the casting of Evie, uh, played by Vanessa Antoine. Yes. I believe it's pronounced. Um, I thought she did a great job as Duke's wife. But also, in this episode, we learn how duplicitous she is. Mm -hmm. I'm just busting out all the big words. How, <laughs> how two-timing she is. She was playing Duke. Playing Duke. And not just playing Duke, but who was she playing with? The Rev. The Rev. Of yes. all the people, you're going to pick the Rev? Yeah, and we learned more about this in uh, lockdown, but um, at, at this point in our, our uh, Haven seasons, we didn't really know what was going on here. But yeah, that no, was interesting. Gabrielle uh, Stanton did a fantastic job of wetting the appetite with this episode and Evie's thing at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, because you're like, uh, now that he knows his father is murdered, you've got him. Yeah. He's yours. You know, yeah, and it's like, got now. What does that mean? You know, before you see the um, next episode, which was like Friend of Foe, I think, uh -huh. um, you're like, what does that mean? And that's classic Haven, where they just yeah. leave you wondering what is going on. And now as we're revisiting it, I think we know, like we've already touched on, it meant, you know, the Rev wanted a crocker on his side to eliminate the cursed. But yeah, at that point in time, at the end of this episode, we really didn't know what was going on. No, and it's it's ironic that he wanted a trouble person to help kill the trouble people. Um, well, that's um, the Simon curse, or the, excuse me, the Crocker curse is what, you know, that's what the Rev needed. Yeah, I, and I guess the Rev had the mindset of, you know, uh, it's a tool. 
Mm-hmm. For him, it was a tool, a weapon in the war that he was waging against the trouble. It didn't matter to him that Simon Crocker's power came from the fact that he was troubled. Exactly. He was exactly. just going to use it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And and uh, keeping in a little bit on the Duke storyline, he did try to learn more about the tattoo. You know, he found out that Glendowers had the tattoo. And, you know, towards the end of the episode, he runs up to Cole Glendower as the the men are getting ready to migrate into the sea. And Duke says, you know, what do you know about the tattoo? What does it mean? And basically Cole says to him, you need to stay out of your father's business. You're being watched. And I wondered for the longest amount of time, what is that tattoo about? And it's interesting to me that Cole doesn't know a lot about the tattoo. You know, that he says, all I know is that you're being watched. I'm pretty sure, Cole, you know a lot more than that. Absolutely. He knew. He just wasn't telling and and I would love to see in this um, upcoming season the perspective of the guard. Okay. Have you ever thought about that and, and what people who join the guard think? Yeah, we did get a little bit of that in those webisodes before season three with Dwight yes. and Jordan. Yes. Um, those are on YouTube. Um, maybe we could put a link up to those for those who haven't seen them. I will do so. And especially for all of our Kate Kelton fans out there, for all of us who um, like her work, you know, there's she stars in those webisodes. Uh, there's more of her to see for those who haven't watched them yet. And Dwight, there's quite a bit of Dwight in those as well. A great way to fill the hiatus is yeah. you can definitely check that out. And you get Dwight backstory on there with his daughter. I mean, his daughter is in uh, one of those little webisodes that's up there. So. Yeah, and you actually see what happens to the daughter. And it actually yeah. helps if you've never seen these webisodes um, – Haven did a fantastic job, E1 and the the creators and producers, did a fantastic job of filling the hiatus with these little nuggets Mm -hmm. of episodes. And they didn't do that for season four, and they were busy. Well, Um, we did the Dark Side Seekers in season four. Didn't they put up some little web clips as well and YouTube videos? That's true. That's true. That's Um, true. Uh, What was happening in Haven, and we're going to find out. And then we did see the Dark Side Seekers in Shot in the Dark, but... Very good point. I take that back. We did have little things. So these webisodes with the guard, though, you do see Lizzie, and you do see what happens to her. And so if if you were confused, like, what happened to his daughter, or you just heard about what happened, but you don't know, they actually show it. And I'm not going to give it away. You should know if if you have heard the story. But, you know, watch the webisodes. They're available. I'm going to put it in the post so you guys can check it out there. Um, it's a nice way of just kind of seeing Kate and um, Adam again on the screen. Right. Right. And get the story of Dwight and his daughter, Lizzie. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Now, you know what line I enjoyed, I think, um, in this episode was um, one Nathan had said, and it was after um, Daniel's father had died and Mary had gone to the Rev and he was like, I know you don't get along with, with, Lee, is it, um, oh, Leaf. the, Leaf's family, but they're Dan- Daniel's family too. He's going to need them when his dad's gone. Yeah, I love, I thought Nathan had some really good lines. He really played the, uh, you know, he played the part of the chief. Um, he did. And but the thing I took from it also was that, and this could be me reading into it. Maybe you all see it the same way. Maybe you don't. That's fine. But my perspective also came from that episode and that line was, it's kind of a parallel of what Nathan's going through. Oh, yeah. Here we are only in the seventh episode, right? Mm-hmm. His dad's gone. Right. And he's going to need family around him. Yeah. 
and yeah, maybe maybe I'm reading that a lot into that. No, but I, 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 like that, I like that point of view, Amy. It's like, you know, Nathan's like, I don't have my family. I know what it's like. He's going to need his family. Yes. You know, it's it's a perspective of Nathan that we didn't get before. And I think it passed over me the first time it went. But rewatching it and knowing what Nathan kind of had by himself as an only child, lost his birth father, lost his father. Mm-hmm. Right. He's now yeah. facing chief by himself. Kind of. I mean, Audrey was there. But, yeah. you know, he would love to have family around him. Well, that takes me into, um, to me, this episode was a, a lot of Nathan in this episode, a lot of Nathan and his dad. It was also kind of a Nathan versus the Rev episode. Yes. Um, but there was a lot of talk about Nathan and the chief. Oh, you know, my dad went to visit the Glendowers. He never told me they were troubled, not that he would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cole, your father was a friend to us, Nathan. Um, lots of talk. Um, Audrey, the chief knew Lucy. And then we kind of get that look on Nathan's face like, oh, another thing you didn't tell me. Right. That man right there. That's yeah. the chief. Yeah. That's what? my dad. Yeah. And also this episode, Nathan called him my dad a lot. So, yeah. He didn't refer to him as the chief. The chief. Right. Yeah. There was a lot about... Um, you know, his struggle with uh, being without his dad and all trying to. And at the end of the episode, you know, Nathan says to Audrey, I wanted to ask Cole more about my dad, but I just didn't even know where to start. I didn't even know what to ask. Yeah. And I like that parallel that, you know, Nathan kind of wanted to talk to Cole to learn about his dad. And Audrey kind of wanted to talk to Peggy and Cole to learn about Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that parallel that the, the episode kind of closed with. Um, well- and it was interesting to to hear Audrey say, you know, we've been following in their footsteps without even knowing it. Yeah. And I took that to also go with how things happen for... Okay, so now we know, now that we've passed four seasons, that this story of Haven is a lot more than just the troubles. It's a lot more than just this barn. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about a bigger picture, but at the same time... You see the repetitiveness, you know, Lucy uh-huh. and the chief did something. Right. Sarah and the Teagues did it. Right. Now we have Audrey and Nathan uh-huh. doing it. Right. You know, and there's this parallelism going. And um, I think it's interesting because each of those kind of know now at some point they discover the barn. At some point they discover her story. Right. And I think it all comes to people trying to help Audrey, Sarah, Lucy. Um, we can even say that um, Lexi was a repeat and that Nathan was helping her. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there is that constant to the story of Audrey or the person of Audrey. There is mm-hmm. that constant, absolutely, with all the with the uh, players in Haven, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and, and not to jump ahead, because I'm sure at some point we'll talk about Sarah. You know, when Duke talks to when um sarah says to nathan i don't want to do this by myself and duke is leaning against doors like you don't have to yeah. find the teas they will yeah. help you they will be friends you know that's i think that's a symbolic of uh their story mm-hmm. uh, her story um in that she doesn't ever want to do this alone right yeah and uh, so, yeah, so that we stay, so we know, like you said, that's a very good point. You know, Sarah worked with the Teagues, Lucy worked with the Chief, and now Audrey works with Nathan. Yeah. And maybe that's because, you know, with Mara, you know, tying it into the overall story, Mara, we know, had William. Right. You know? She's always had someone around her, mm-hmm. it seems. It, that's what 
the appearance from what we know is. She's always had someone around her. Man, mind you, we all don't agree with William as a choice, but as Mara, she liked William. It sure seems that way. <laughs> I'm going to have, I'm not a William, you know, I'm not pro-William guys. Okay. But let's look at it objectively. All that we know right now, it sure seems that way. Now we don't know what twists they might throw at us. But, uh, yeah, it seems like... Uh... Objectively, we know that William and Mara did things together. Right. Created the troubles. Created the troubles. Whether it was positive or negative, I don't know. We'll just look at it. Mara, Lucy, Audrey, Sarah, Lexi, they were never alone. Right. And maybe that's because she's looking for that person to help her, her partner. Yeah. And yeah. all these people she's going through is till she finds that right partner. And maybe it is uh, Nathan being he was duplicated twice, Lexi and Audrey. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of brings us, as we've touched on, you know, more about Nathan's importance and his backstory. But hopefully we'll get be getting some of that um, as it relates to Audrey. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And, and I think this episode and I've said it before, I feel like the whole uh Haven so far, you know, the writers are notorious for planning a season in, in thirds. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you look at season four, it was Audrey in the barn, uh, Audrey out of the barn, and then William and dealing with William. Right. You know, and you could do the same thing with each season. Um, I think overall, in the overall story that, that Sam and Jim have come up with, uh -huh. my guess is that there's thirds for this. Okay. Um, you know, initially it was about the troubles. Then it was right. about the barn. And now we're into the story of Mara and Audrey and what's going on. Right. And with the barn, I think you mean, you mean the Colorado kid as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, and they go hand in hand. back on the Colorado kid back here at the end of the Tides That Bind when, when Audrey was talking to Peggy. You know, Peggy tells her the only time ever, Lucy ever cried was at the murder site of the Colorado kid. And um, so that kind of makes sense now. If Lucy, did Lucy know the Colorado kid was her son? Or he, yes. he, that was the incarnation. Lucy, the man she really loved, was her son. It yes. was the Colorado kid when she was Lucy. So it's also actually interesting. Like, how did she know that? Did Sarah leave something for Lucy to know that? I don't know. That's another question we will have to get answered somehow or other. Yeah, because the Teaks didn't know. Or well, the Teaks. I don't know, that's, that's an interesting point. I didn't even think about that. It's like, how did Lucy know that the Colorado kid was her son, especially when Sarah gave up her mm -hmm. son? Maybe that's something we'll learn in season five. Yes, maybe, maybe. Th that will be exciting. But I think the thing you talked about, how she the only time she's seen her cry. Yeah, the only time anyone saw Lucy cry was at the, you know, the Colorado kid murder scene. Let us uh, speculate for a moment. Do you think that Mara is a crier? No. Right. I, I got the same impression. Do you think Sarah is a crier? No, I think she's really strong. Again, same impression. From what we know of Lucy, outside of the fact that, that you know, uh, we were just told that she's, she had cried, does she seem like a crier? No. Uh-uh. And even Audrey gives a tough girl perspective. She doesn't seem like a crier. Uh, we've seen her cry, but I, I understand the context that you're you're presenting. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It's yeah. not that they're they're un incapable of crying. They're going to cry, but they're very strong women, and it takes something yeah. p 
powerful to affect them. Right. When Audrey gets involved with the person whose trouble that she's trying to help, you know, by the end when their fate is known or, you know, she's resolved their trouble or they've passed away or she, they've sent them on, she's often tearful knowing, you know, this is the end of this person's story and it's not always a happy ending. Well, I'm curious because, you know, and the reason I'm saying this is Lucy cried at a very powerful moment. Audrey cries when um, something really hits her, right? Like you're saying, a troubled person. Um, Audrey Parker's day off was a prime example right of this right um is this a way of differentiating differentiating mara from her other incarnations interesting point you know in that uh, yeah from that brief scene we got of mara she seems like a badass and she seems <laughs> like one who is like crying is beneath me she seems right. very hard very tough and so I, I, we well, don't know how this happened yeah, I would agree with you. But Mara does say in that one scene to William, um, you know, something to the effect, you won't let them take me away. Or William says, they'll take you away from me. And Mara says, you won't let them do that. Um, so I don't know. I, don't, I guess she's probably not a crier, but. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, I think when we talk about um, all these incarnations of Mara, all the haven savers, have you? I just, I'm trying to look at the parallels. And the opposites. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what was the purpose of putting her in this barn? Was it was it for retribution? Was it for redemption? Um, so I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud in that sense. But Yeah. Or is that just how the, um, in the era of William and Mara, is that just how they chose to separate the two? They put her in the barn. And uh, my interpretation is they banished William to the other side of the door. Um yeah, and in which case, why? Why the differentiation in that? Yeah. Was well, William they, worse than Mara? Because honestly, I thought it'd be the other way around. But So this is a big question. Will we get answers to this? And why uh, Why was William banished to this evil place where Mara was put in this barn to regenerate every 27 years and build up with love and come and help people? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think from what you're saying, especially is um, the barn was there to rejuvenate her. And she reju- she rejuvenates on love but she also was told the barn is her punishment you know coming back every 27 years like you said is her retribution so i mean that's one of the key questions that we may not find an answer to immediately because to me it's like a big part of the whole haven mythology yes but you know when you talk the crux of the whole haven mythology maybe it is (laughs) um when you talked about the colorado kid the reason this all hits me is I feel like everyone blames Nathan for, for things happening, you know, blowing up the barn, essentially, and, you know, yeah. William got pushed in. But the Colorado's kid's existence, I feel, changes everything. Uh-huh. You know, from what one is different from the other, Okay. the Colorado kid. And so, despite the fact that I think that things happen in thirds, I think everything ties together. Everything she went through with the Rev... Uh-huh. Everything um, that happens with the Colorado kid, everything that's going to happen, I think we're going right. to see that, you know, because when, when you talked about in Lighthouse, or maybe it was the one before that, uh, when the bow breaks, and, and the Mi'kmaq tribe, and how the great evil came, and everyone, it, it took a lot of work to get him out, the great evil, yes. you know, um, maybe it was necessary for all this, for the town to change its mind or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And kind of get them on the, their side. Right. 
That's a good, th I mean, there's so many theories, there's so many angles to take, which I think is why a lot of us like Haven. It's so intriguing and uh, kind of keeps us guessing no matter what. Yes. And I can continue on all these tangents, but I'm, I think we should probably leave you with these thoughts. Well, I, I, yeah, I did just, back just one last thing, a couple last things about the tides that bind, though. Yeah. I think it kind of struck me, and I don't know why. There's that one scene where Nathan goes to confront the Rev at the Rev's church when Mary's there, and he's the Rev is gathering his men to go rescue the boys at the compound or to go rescue Daniel. You know, Nathan pulls up on his own. He's, he's working that part of the case without Audrey. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. We've seldom seen that up to this point in Haven, um, where the two of them weren't together at a crime scene, or, or not a crime scene per se, but just at any part of the investigation. Oh, where they, they've operated separately? Yeah, and then we learn after that bit of a scene that she, Audrey was back at the station researching. But I just thought that was kind of interesting, and that's why it kind of played to me as a Nathan versus the Rev episode. There was a lot of, you know, Nathan confronting the Rev, and in that particular scene, he did it on his own. Well, sure, and then you have the physical confrontation where he right on pushes, the dock. yeah, where he pushes the rev against the wall. Yeah. So all in all, a very multi-layered episode. So kudos to uh, the Haven staff for this particular one. And well acted, absolutely well acted all, on always, all fronts. Right? Yes, all well acted. And um, I, I don't know who played Daniel, uh, but man, you must have some kind of lung power to hold your breath <laughs> underwater <laughs> like that. So kudos to you, sir, as well. Uh, before we go, uh, a quick thing. Kudos to all you Havenites for your hard work on the hottie of the week. I know uh, we were successful with Lucas Bryant. Not sure. Uh, we're recording this early, so not sure how everyone else played out. But uh, the fact that you were so dedicated to do what you do, I think, is awesome and amazing. And you deserve tons of credit for it. Awesome. The fan base is so supportive of the show and the actors, and I think even supportive of each other, the way the fans work together. It's it's truly amazing, and it's so fun to feel like being like I'm a part of it. You know, it's really, really cool. Totally, totally. And you guys have really come together, and I, I just checked iTunes. Uh, Sean Pierce has the Haven score on iTunes and Amazon. Uh, kudos to all of you who have bought it on one of those mediums. Uh, the six reviews, the score is... At five stars, uh, amazing job on iTunes. No reviews or ratings on Amazon, though, so I challenge you, Havenites, and I'm going to challenge you on the next podcast. Uh, <laughs> go to Amazon, leave a review, leave a rating. Uh, we want E1 to see this so that we can get a second volume. I totally want a second volume. Maybe, maybe you don't, but if we get a second volume, we could get a soundtrack probably. Yeah, with 26 episodes of, we know we've got 26 episodes for sure. Again, that is still so exciting. Uh, we should, there's definitely going to be enough music for another volume. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? The fact that we have opportunity for second volume, I mean, 26 episodes, we can, we just need to continue the momentum. Remember, just because we have 26 episodes, we get a sixth season, but we need to continue to show that we really want this. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Let them know, people. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to put it on the uh, site. Definitely check it out. Go to Amazon. Leave a review. Uh, let them know you want it. And yeah. Very well. So thank you, Amy, for joining oh. me again. Thanks, Amy. And thanks, Haven fans. And hope to talk to everybody on Twitter and Tumblr and whatnot. All right. Peace. This is Revisiting Haven.